From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this episode, Dale Wells, owner and founder of Centra Companies, talks to FNC reporter J.D. Duggan. Wills discusses lawmakers' efforts to curb the conversion of single-family homes into rentals and talks about how his company has responded to the current state of the housing market. A note for listeners, due to technical problems on our end, the interview's audio quality does drop off partway through the conversation. Hey, today we have Dale Wills, owner and founder of Centra Companies, uh, Twin Cities land redeveloper and home builder. Uh, Hey, Dale, thanks for being here. Can you first tell me a bit about what your work looks like and what your company does? Thanks for having me, JD. We, Centra Company owns a few companies. We have a Centra Homes, which is a for sale new construction housing uh, for people that are buying generally first time and move up homes and a little bit with empty nesters. We also have an entity that does land development that is primarily residential construction, some apartment, a little bit of commercial. And we own some apartment complexes and another entity that we bought a few apartment complexes. We rehab them. Um, you know, ones that have been really um, neglected over the years to get them fixed up. And then we've got a, a new venture that we've started where we're doing build for rent housing. So homes where we'll do an entire community that we build the homes for people that are looking to rent a home and not in a position to want to buy currently. Yeah. And this is entirely in the Twin Cities? Correct. We only operate in the Twin Cities. Gotcha. Um, I, I want to ask a bit more about your career and your company, but first, I know you have some thoughts about House File 685. It's the bill that looks to kind of limit corporate entities and developers from converting single-family homes into rentals. Tell me a bit about how that bill would impact you. The bill would have a pretty dramatic impact on us. We had intended this year to build about 200 homes that would be for rent. The, the great thing about the Minnesota market is that we have so many different corporations, and they attract a lot of talent that comes into this market. And many times they're looking for rentals. They, for various reasons, either it's going to be a three-year stop for them or they want to see what uh, the neighborhoods are like and rent for a period of time. But they're looking for a place to rent for a time rather than an apartment. And we see a need. There's a recent study that came out that says we need to be building about 18,000 units a year in Minneapolis, which we're not hitting. So we saw that need. We were going to build about 200 homes this year that was going to be for rent, and we would do them in entire communities. When this bill came out, it put all of that on pause. So we are currently not building those 200 units until we see what happens. As a result, it would affect us pretty dramatically on our ability to rent those. Yeah. So the bill, excuse me, isn't just about conversions. It's also limiting the, the development of these properties. Yeah, that's correct. It's It would limit companies. So an LLC, everything we do is within an LLC. Uh, it would prevent those companies from being able to buy homes. 
So whether it's I'm buying an individual home in the city that has been there for a period of time, or whether it's building a brand new home, it would prevent companies from owning any home that would be rented. Yeah. You know, I've only kind of heard the other side of this conversation, which is that this is concerning because it's uh, eliminating home ownership opportunities. You know, some of the things are targeted in um, uh, neighborhoods with uh, predominantly people of color or or poorer neighborhoods. Um, what value do you think exists for um, building these kind of single family rental homes? I I understand the intent of it, and they, they've got a good intent. We we want people to be able to buy homes, people that have the desire to own a home, especially in neighborhoods that um, don't have those same opportunities. And so I support the intent of the bill. The concern is the actual outcome of the bill. Uh, as we build communities and we go in and we build 20 homes, 200 homes in a community that are all designed for rent, that they can be taken care of. And it gives people that want rent a home an opportunity to rent. Um, and so the bill currently in its current state is fairly broad in that it doesn't matter if it's a brand new home, if it's a group of homes, if it's an individual home, uh, if it's an existing home, it prevents all companies from being able to either build and keep the home or um, buying a home. Sure. Um, do you think that's a large Sometimes I, I wonder about this, uh, you know, the people people looking to rent. Can you tell me a bit about that demographic? There's sometimes I wonder if people are rent by choice because that's the only choice that really is available. Um, but you you also mentioned like other examples of people kind of testing the waters of a neighborhood or, or things like that. Yeah, we it's a broad need. Certainly there are a lot of people that are renting, that they're spending that time to be able to save up for a down payment to buy a home. There's a lot of renters in that category that their dream is to one day own their home. We also see within our world, uh, there may be people that are empty nesters that own a home in Florida or Arizona, that they just don't want to have the hassles of owning a home in Minnesota, but they still have roots here. They want to keep their roots here. They want to be able to come home in the summer and be with their families. We see a lot of people that are relocating here for a period of time for work. We have so many fantastic, really large employers that draw a lot of talent here. And sometimes those, um, Families are here for a short period of time, and they just it doesn't make economic sense to buy a home, as well as we see people that are here uh, temporary, and they, they, um, that they're not going to be here very long, is what I said, but rather people that I want to see the neighborhoods. I want to get to know the schools, the neighborhoods. Where do I want to be able to raise my kids? So let's rent for a year or two first. Um, and so there's all kinds of different reasons uh, that people want to rent, uh, which you know, I, I own a home and I'm fortunate I own a home. And there's been periods of my life where I needed to rent a home and it made sense at that phase of my life. Yeah, definitely. Um, before I move on from this topic, is there anything else you wanted to wanted to add about it? Yeah, I, I, we're really grateful. There's there's two different companion bills that are happening right now. One's in the House, one's in the Senate. And they've been fairly receptive to the feedback that they're getting. Uh, we look at it and the way it's currently written, there's over 50,000 homes in the Twin Cities that are rented that if this bill in its current form would have to be signed, all 50,000 of those homes would have to be sold. Mm. And that's going to displace 50,000 families in the Twin Cities, which you can imagine where are they going to go? Right. They're going to have to go to apartments. And, and the concern would be is, well, what's that going to do when we're at 95 to 98% occupancy in the Twin Cities? What is that ultimately going to do? It's going to drive three and four bedroom apartments rent up. 
mm-hmm. and then those people are going to get displaced and and then they're going to and eventually it's those people that are really trying to get their foot in the door and and are the first time renters that are going to be hurt and those are the 50,000 people mm-hmm. so that concerns us as well as you know we've got an affordability issue and it's not going to help the affordability issue we're a very small uh builder comparatively but there's 200 homes potentially that won't get built this year amongst others and that just complicates the affordability issue and so we're just grateful that the the stakeholders we've talked to they want to engage and find the solution and and we're grateful to be part of that conversation definitely if i remember right some of the the main critiques were maybe things should be focused more toward homeownership pathways and things like that instead of putting the limit on this this thing so, all right. Well, we're back. Um, sorry, we had some uh, connection issues. Um, Dale, how did can you tell me a bit? How did you get this company started? Yeah, we moved here in 2005. My wife and I. We worked for a National Home Builder, and the intent is, was to be here for about three years. And you know, shortly after we got here, the market started to collapse, uh, leading up to the 2008. And through that, we had to make some decisions on what we wanted to do, whether we were going to start our own thing again, stay in Minnesota, move back closer where family wasn't. We just loved Minnesota. Mm-hmm. We loved climate. We not the climate, maybe not the winter, but we, we love the environment, rather. So, you know, it's just a great place. People are fantastic here. And so we decided our kids are doing really well here. We love it here, and so we wanted to stay. And at that point, with the real estate totally collapsing in 2008, we decided to start our own so in 2011, we started working with banks on this distressed assets mm-hmm. and helping them with homes that were foreclosed on, partially finished, uh, working through their lot inventory. And from there, it just evolved to where we started developing land. We uh, started buying apartment complexes that we could rehab, uh, now doing the uh, single-family bills for rent model. So we branched into a, a lot of different areas. And I just, I love real estate. It's a, the funnest industry to be in. Yeah, that's awesome. Tell me a bit about your portfolio. What what kind of stuff have you guys done? Where where are things concentrated? Things like that. So we, we do a variety of things. We've done some redevelopment projects. Um, the purpose of the property had um, run its course and redid the property. We've got one in Coon Rapids, example, that used to have the city hall was there and some strip centers and apartments that needed to be redone. So the city, we worked very closely with them. They had previously cleaned the site up, and, and now we're putting in single-family homes mm-hmm. um, on that site. We're about halfway done with that. We did something similar in New Hope on an old school site, but we worked with the city on a redevelopment there. Uh, we do a fair amount of just development, go in and, and take a parcel that that is being sold, develop it, put homes across it. In addition to that, we bought a handful of apartment complexes that have been neglected over the years, just maintenance being taken care of. Mm-hmm. We went in and, and did a complete rehab to reposition the property to really, in some cases, to make them livable because they were almost not livable even though people were in them. Sure. So we've done we've done some of those in Minneapolis, uh, some in the city of Anoka, um, and then uh, now we're doing the of the bill for rent in addition to those things mm-hmm. um, to where we're going in. And the intent would be homes that we'd make for rent that would be anywhere from 10 to 100 units, depending on the market and uh, what land opportunities are out there. 
Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, I don't, I don't go more than a couple of days without hearing how, how tough the market is for building right now. I'm sure you're no exception. Can you tell me a bit about some of the challenges your company has faced recently, um, and how you've maybe tried to address some of those difficulties? Yeah, if, if we go back about eight months, last July, interest rates jumped up on mortgage interest rates. And, you know, we're seeing interest rates at three, three and a half percent, and then suddenly we're at six and a half, seven percent. And that was a pretty big shock because, you know, if you're buying the same house and the rates go up that much, it really changes your house payment. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the consumers just put things on hold. And so we saw not just our company, but within the market, people stopped buying houses in July. Mm-hmm. And July through December, it was really quite tough. There was very few buyers out there. Many of them were sitting on the sidelines waiting to see what's going to happen. Are the rates going to come back down? Are they going to stabilize? And uh, so we, we didn't see a lot of sales happening. Mm-hmm. The first of the year, we did see quite a bit of progress that buyers came back in January. A lot of those were ones that were waiting and waiting and waiting, and they couldn't wait any longer. They mm-hmm. needed to, to get a house. So we did see an improvement in January, February, and March, um, albeit you look at statewide, we're we're down 50% from this time last year. So the, the interest rates have had a lot of impact. But cause of that was the, the inflation. We were having to raise prices so fast because of the commodities, the, the parts that go into the home, as well as the labor. You know, our prices were going up. It just wasn't sustainable. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, those have created some challenges. And then, you know, we're all hearing about the, the banks on banks, SBB and and Signature Bank, both were taken over by the feds last week. That that could have pretty broad-reaching consequences to everybody, but uh, specifically builders um, can be affected by that. If if you look at the historics of the economy, every recession we've ever had, builders are first in and they're the first out. And, you know, if you look at us, you know, we're in a different climate than we've ever experienced mm-hmm. in in our economy. But if we if we look at it, you know, all indications would be we would be going into a recession if right. we repeat history. And it could get even worse with what's happening on the banking industry if, if liquidity becomes um, harder for builders because we are no doubt in a uh, cash intensive business. Yeah. So where does that put you right now? Is it are you slowing things down, kind of wait to see see how it goes, or or what? It, how are you guys approaching this right now? We're being very cautious. Yeah. Uh, you know the the indications are we are short houses. We mm-hmm. we need houses, and so whether people are buying or renting, there is a need for houses. Mm-hmm. So our intention is to continue to go and just be very cautious and watching all the indications of the market. To still buy. So we're still actively out buying developments of land. We're still actively building, but we're watching very closely what, what happens. Is there going to be a liquidity issue with banks? Currently, all the banks we work with are all local banks that do a fantastic job, um, and we're not seeing an issue, but something we're having to watch. But we're, we're trying to take advantage of an opportunity and an unmet need that's currently happening, and that is people still need homes regardless of what the economy is doing. Right, I'm I'm kind of hearing that in every um every every corner of the industry is 
regardless of how difficult it is to build, demand hasn't changed in that in that time. Yeah. Um, you guys announced an aggressive land acquisition strategy toward the end of last year. Has that been affected by this? How how is that going? Well, the market has been it has slowed down, mm-hmm. and what's happening is we're seeing a lot of land sellers are still hoping for that price they thought they were going to get one and two years ago, mm-hmm. and so people are still waiting to see is is the market going to return and be back to what it was a year or two ago, or they in a new reality. And so we're not seeing as much opportunities as we would hope that we would see as of yet. Um, however, there's there's always opportunities in every every market. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if if we're still in the pattern we're in now, six eight eight months from now, you know, likely we'll see you know, additional opportunities where you know at some point sellers are going to want to sell and and adjust to what the market is today. Yeah, for sure. Well, Dale, I don't think I have any other questions. Is there anything that you wanted to add that I didn't ask about? No, JD, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. It's um, you know every market's different. We're we're facing a season that we've never faced before with interest rates a year ago at historic lows, and then facing inflation that we've seen. And mm-hmm. and uh, with every market, there's opportunities. So people that are in the industry and they're interested. You know these these circumstances make for a lot of great opportunities, and and uh, there's a need. Yeah. You know, there's going to continue to be a need for industrial space, single-family homes, and apartments. It's I think it's a great season to be in the business. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking the time, and uh, you know, appreciate you sharing. JD, thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Take care. Yeah.